This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Welcome, everyone, to a baseball-centric scoop podcast, episode number 79, being recorded on Tuesday night, the 13th of June. We'll catch up with Twins VP Mike Radcliffe. We'll catch up with the highest gopher selected on Tuesday. He went in the seventh round of the draft. Plus, we're hopeful to track down Sam Carlson, Burnsville High School pitcher, taken 55th overall by Seattle. I can tell you on Sam Carlson that he turned down lesser offers to go higher in the draft. It's the unique animal known as the Major League Baseball draft where teams have this pool of money and they decide how they spread it out. For example, the Twins took a pitcher at pick 76 to start Tuesday's festivities. They will pay that pitcher more money than they'll pay the guys they took at picks 35 and 37. On Sam Carlson, yes, he turned down lesser money offers to go in the 30s. Yes, there was dialogue with the Twins. I cannot tell you fully that the Twins made hardcore offers. If we get Sam on the phone, we can certainly ask him that. But I do know he had multiple offers to go in the 30s or 40s, but financially it would not have made sense. Seattle, as I tweeted on Monday morning, was considering Sam Carlson with the 17th overall selection. They decided to go the college route with the 17th pick. They get their guy, a guy that they, I'm telling you, had under consideration at pick 17. They get him at 55 for well over slot. I can tell you Sam Carlson will eventually sign with Seattle for first-round money. So even though he went in the second round financially, it worked out brilliantly for Sam Carlson. Now it's open for debate whether the twin strategy was a sound strategy, but none of us know anything about any of these guys, even the upper echelon guys, the Hunter Greens, the Kyle Wrights. We don't know that much. To me, you defer to the professionals, the guys making a lot of money in the twins estimation. They really like the guys they got at 35 and 37. So what if they're below slot value? They really think those guys have bright futures. They love Royce Lewis. Now we'll hear from Mike Radcliffe. They made Brendan McKay an offer. I'm waiting on the financial terms of that offer. I don't know if he actually got less money from Tampa going fourth overall than what the Twins offered. I can tell you Royce Lewis will sign for in the vicinity of $6.6, $6.7 million. So the Twins will save in the neighborhood of $1 million on Royce Lewis. But I don't know if they made that same exact offer to Brendan McKay. If they did, there's a good chance the Rays are not going over slot. Slot at pick four is like 6-1 or 6-2, so it's possible Brendan McKay left some money on the table. Now, there is something to be said about growing in an organization, going somewhere where they love you, so there are positives for McKay going to Tampa, but financially it is possible that he lost out on some money. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in the money part of all this that we forget that the Twins or any team – 
They love the guys they end up with. The Twins love the guys they got at picks 1, 35, and 37. They also love the high school pitcher from Louisiana, who they got at pick 76, who they will pay about $2 million to. So they are going well over slot on that pick. They're going well over slot on their fifth-round pick. So that was the idea. On Monday, they saved in the neighborhood of $1.5 million. They then went $1.2 million, $1.3 million over to get pick 76 to agree to terms. Right now, it's just a verbal agreement, but the Twins will sign all these guys. All right, let's get to the highest-selected Gophers player. He is left-handed pitcher Lucas Gilbreth. He is from the Denver area. He now joins us from Colorado. Lucas, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well. I mean, today about as good as it gets when you get taken by the hometown Rockies. Oh, yeah, a little stressful, but you can't ask for much more. It's a blessing to be picked by the organization I grew up watching. I mean, what is that stress like? I mean, were you just constantly refreshing MLB.com all morning, or did you go, you know, go hang out with buddies, go to the golf course just to just to escape the madness? See, I'm more of an escape kind of guy. Um, I tried to – I was fishing most of the morning, but then I figured once I started getting calls from my advisor and other people, I figured I should probably at least turn it on the TV and my parents wanted to watch. So we sat around and watched for a little while after that. So what was that moment like when – when you heard that the Rockies were taking you? Oh, it was awesome. It was a dream come true. You can't ask for much else. I mean, they took you also a couple years ago. So, I mean, was the sense heading into this week that the Rockies were a team to watch on your front? Yeah, I was definitely hopeful. I mean, the draft's such a weird process. It's hard to really identify what team and um, who's going to take and win. But I think the goal was obviously to come back home for me because I was, dream of mine and I think it was a good setup for me as well as hopefully the Rockies and it ended up working out. So you go in the seventh round 206th overall was that about where you thought you would go? Yeah yeah somewhere around there I mean it's hard to tell Um, it's hard to evaluate that in my opinion I just tried to do the best I could and develop as much as I could so we could win ball games this year and try not to think a whole lot about it and it ended up working out for me. I mean, you certainly developed. I mean, I'm looking at your numbers. You started, what, 14 games, a 2.66 ERA, a 1.76 ERA in Big Ten play, 92 strikeouts in, what, 81 and one-third innings, only 32 walks. I mean, the numbers definitely stand out. Definitely. I mean, we worked on a ton of stuff this offseason, and I think I still have a ton of room to grow. Um, I still got to keep working hard. There's still little things. There's always stuff you can improve on, so – I think for me it's going to be continuing to try and develop some of those little things and take the next step in my game. What was that offseason like when, you know, I mean, Coach Oaks passing away, you know, legend here in, in the Minnesota baseball community, somebody that I'm positive had a had a very strong impact on, on you and your development. He unfortunately passes away at far too young an age. What was that like in the offseason transitioning away from Coach Oaks? Definitely. I mean, Coach Oaks is one of the big reasons I went to the U and left my home state. And, I mean, he did have such a lasting impact on me and everyone in our program. Such a great guy. What I think helped is having Ty McDevitt learn under Coach Oaks. So when he became our interim pitching coach, I think he took a lot of the same ideals and cultural philosophies into the pitching staff. So I think it was a smooth transition. I think he did a great job this year with what he had and he did a great job with developing guys and putting them into roles that they might not have thought they were capable of. 
I mean, what did you tweak? I mean, did you tweak stuff mechanically? Did you add a pitch? What what specifically did you work on heading into this season? To me, it was a lot more mental than physical. Um, as a reliever, um, I think I had kind of honed in my control a little bit and I developed some better pitches. But the big thing for me this year, moving to a starting role, was trying to figure out how to pitch, how to sequence, and how to not waste pitches so I could go deeper in the game. Because as a reliever, I would run up my pitch count in an inning or two. But if we're going to win ball games, as with me as a starter, I had to figure out how to last a little longer and save the bullpen. Did the Rockies take you as a starter? I mean, is that is that the logical, you know, conclusion to draw that after your successful year as a starter, transitioning away from the bullpen, that they drafted you as a starter? It's hard to say. Um, I've heard kind of both ends. Um, I'm definitely willing to do whatever, so I'm sure whenever they send me off to whatever minor league team they decide, they're going to have a plan for me, and I'll I'll run with it whichever way they decide because I love doing both, and I love a challenge, so I'll work hard at whatever they give me. How soon will you sign? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think strictly because of the fact that it's my hometown, it'll probably be within the week, I'd assume, um, because they don't really have to worry about sending to take a physical or sign anything. I just have to drive 20 minutes to the field, so should be fairly quick. I would think so. What was what was the celebratory dinner like on, on Tuesday night? Oh, man. Uh, my parents wanted to go somewhere nice. I'm a little more casual, so I just wanted a nice steak from Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> and my guess is your choice won out, right? It was, oh, it was yeah. your accomplishment that, that they were celebrating, so wherever you wanted to go, you got to go where you wanted to go. Definitely, definitely. If you had to write a scouting report, Lucas, on you know on your pitching repertoire and all that, I mean, you know, fastball. I mean, what what pitches do you throw? What what would that scouting report say? I'd say as of right now, a strong fastball with a little bit of cut to it, and I throw a good slider. And I think from there, I need to develop my changeup with my curveball. Um, they've definitely been areas of focus for me, but there's definitely and I think for me that's going to be a big step of whether I become a starter or a reliever depending on if I can develop those other two pitches. Were there some former teammates that you leaned on, you know, for advice, you know, for the draft process, whether it was, you know, a Dalton Sawyer, somebody else? I mean, was there anybody you leaned on for, for advice during this process? Oh, definitely. Dalton's one of my best friends and we're good hunting buddies and everything. So I've been talking to him for a couple of weeks leading up to the draft, along with Fiedler, um, kind of getting the perspective of a junior leaving. And I think they had some good points, and they told me what I needed to evaluate and what I should decide what's right for me. And I know the coaching staff at Minnesota would have been fully supportive of any decision I made, so it was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, and that decision is, I mean, because, I mean, no guarantees, right? I mean, if you came back for your senior year, no guarantees you put up these sorts of numbers, so no guarantee you go this high in the draft. And, of course, you wouldn't have any leverage whatsoever. So, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to come from a logical standpoint. It makes all the sense in the world, right, Lucas? I mean, you go in the seventh round, the Rockies will present a nice offer. You, of course, sign right now. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, there's obviously factors sometimes that want you to come back, but in the end it comes down to evaluating what you're seeing is worth to you. And to me, obviously, I love my time at Minnesota and I love my teammates. So it was pretty valuable. But I think 
I was in a position where I think it might be the right step to play professional baseball rather than go back for my last year. Will you eventually finish school at some point? Is the goal at some point, whether it's in one year, five years, ten years, whether you can take classes online to, to get your degree? Definitely. I mean, that's the main reason I chose Minnesota. I wanted to pursue a degree in engineering, and I want to finish my degree in engineering whenever I get done with baseball so I can go into the prosthetics field. So, I mean, you have everything mapped out. I mean, I suppose in an ideal world, I mean, Lucas, you're you're pitching for the next, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. You know, at least half of those years you're pitching in Denver for the Colorado Rockies, and then after that you can make the transition and utilize that degree. Definitely. That sounds perfect to me, but you never know. So just got to keep working hard and see what I can do. So were those the only reasons that drew you from the Denver area to Minnesota was, was A, Coach Oaks, as you laid out, then, you know, being able to pursue the degree you wanted to pursue? Yeah, that, and I mean, I love the state of Minnesota, and I love the U. Um, there's obviously a different climate, but I love the atmosphere there. I love the people in Minnesota, and it was a great experience for me, honestly, and I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Lucas, what other college opportunities did you have? I mean, did you turn down some some good opportunities? Oh, man, I had a fun recruiting process. Um, for me, I talked to a lot of schools. It just came down to deciding when I wanted to play, and I think what I liked from Minnesota is Coach Anderson said, the best players play. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been on the team, and I really like that because some programs you got to wait three years to play a role, and to me that sounded like if I worked my butt off and got better, I would be able to take on that role. Is there still a sour taste in your mouth on how the – the season finished. I mean, for a while there, I thought you guys would win a Big Ten regular season championship, and yet all those games after the Rutgers series was was postponed when they couldn't make it to town. You're playing all those games in such a short amount of time. Then you make a nice little run at the Big Ten tournament, but just fall a little bit short. Definitely. I mean, I don't think anybody wanted the season to end like that. But I know our team, and I know the guys we got, and we're not a team to make excuses. And I think we made a good run and played our butts off at the end. It just didn't turn out to be enough. And I think at the end of the day, we can hang our hats on the effort we put out there at the end of the season. And it didn't go our way, but you know what? We did our best, and we made a nice little run at the end there. What other teams besides the Rockies showed a good amount of interest in you? I mean, when you were looking at the draft board, you know, as you know, the seventh round started, for example, were there like a few teams you circled and said, okay, there's a decent chance I'll go right there? I was an interesting one between the two regions growing up in Colorado and living in Minnesota. I had a decent amount of teams. It was just hard because, you know, how the draft is all of a sudden if somebody has already gotten their fill of left-handed pitchers, it doesn't matter if they like me. Mm-hmm. I'm now off their board. So we had a, an idea of a couple teams. Like I think the A's had interest. They liked Dalton and I'm good friends with Dalton, and I think the White Sox and some other teams, but you can never really tell because maybe they took the left-handed pitcher that they needed in this draft. And now, even though they like me, I'm not even a factor in their top ten rounds. I thought there was a chance maybe the Twins, you know, just from the standpoint of yeah. they just they don't have, I mean, like a lot of organizations, but I know the Twins are looking for more left-handed pitchers. I really thought the Twins might take you. Definitely, definitely. I mean, they were an option, and – I mean, it didn't happen to work out. It would have been great if it did, but I'm happy where I'm at. I think you never know with the minor league system when you can get traded or end up somewhere else. So You're right. I mean, it's you never really know. It's a crazy business. Emphasis on the word business, right? 
Definitely, definitely. Lucas, all the best. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, you know, I mean, at least you're getting paid now. But, I mean, one could argue that college <laughs> athletics is a business, right? When, when you know, coaches are making, especially basketball, football, many, many millions of dollars, you know, we love to pretend, you know, and there's something to be said about, okay, maybe it's not pretend. I mean, there's there's some legitimacy to the term student athlete, you know, but there's some hypocrisy there when it comes to the NCAA. But at least now – you know what you're getting into, right? I mean, you're signing a pro contract. You'll get paid. You have a job to do. It's it's a business. It's a full-time job. Definitely, and that's how the teams treat it for good reason. You're an investment, and they're paying you, so they got to make their decision based on everything they can. And, I mean, that's my job now, and i got to work my butt off and do the job the best I can. Well, Lucas, I know there's a lot of people here in the Twin Cities rooting for you to work your butt off to climb the ranks in the Rockies organization. We certainly will be following you from afar. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I suppose we can say former. Former Gophers pitcher Lucas Gilbreth. He will sign with the Colorado Rockies. He goes in the seventh round, 206th overall. The Gophers' left-handed pitcher. It's the second time the Rockies have drafted Gilbreth. They took him in the 36th round in 2014. Gilbreth is the highest-drafted Gopher since Tom Wendell, Osseo High School, former Gopher lefty, he was taken by the Dodgers in the second round in the 2013 draft. Actually had a chance to catch up with Tom in the winter. He is now in the Phillies organization, I believe. Shoot, I should have this at my fingertips, but I don't. But top of my head was Tom moved to the Phillies organization in that Jimmy Rollins trade a year or two ago. Anyway, Tom Wendell, last I checked, although maybe I should check again, but I believe at the Double A, maybe lower. Anyway, Tom Wendell certainly has a chance to make it to the majors. Dalton Sawyer, who Lucas Gilbreth cited at Triple A, Triple A with the Oakland A's. We'll get to Mike Radcliffe, Twins Vice President, in just a second. But first, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Scoop Podcast episode number 79. They also are on board for 78. It is Vine Park Brewery. Vinepark.com is their website right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul on Twitter at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. At Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and, this is the key part, make your own wine on Vine Park's equipment with Vine Park's help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You can brew your own beer or wine. You take it home in 22-ounce bottles. They have custom labels for you. It's perfect for parties, corporate events. You think about Father's Day, fast approaching. How much fun would Dad have at Vine Park Brewery brewing his own beer? You think about all the flavors, pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, Box and Wheats, the right recipe is there for you. The phone number, 651-228-1355. Again, 651-228-1355. They have brew party nights all summer long. And the website, once again, vinepark.com. We appreciate them a ton for keeping the Scoop podcast going. All right, let's now get to Twins VP, Mike Radcliffe. Hey everyone, Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore here from the Touch'em All podcast. Now, the Twins might not be very good in recent years, but our podcast is pretty damn good. Phil, 
That's a little bit of a stretch. Okay, our podcast is, is pretty good. Well. Okay, we have a podcast. You can find us talking twins on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com every week. We are taping you, Mike, on Tuesday night, the 13th of June, right after you guys, the Twins, put, what, 20 runs on the board, 28 hits. We'll get to the draft in a second, but, I mean, that's as crazy a game as I can remember. 20 runs and 28 hits, unbelievable. Yeah, I only saw a few a few pitches of it. We were, we were uh, continuing our process uh, down in the dungeon, but uh, yeah, we were both teams. I don't, I'm not sure there was a walk till late in the game. It was free swing and a fair. I mean, overall, I mean, when you look at through, what is it? 61 games, 33 and 28. I mean, all things considered, even though the home record isn't what you want it to be. I mean, to be in first place, what the Indians lost against, you have a game or two cushion on them. I mean, all is pretty good right now. Is that a safe way to say it? Uh, that's the safe way to say it. Sure, I, I, we don't we don't look at what place we're in. You, you look at how you're playing and how things are trending, and you know each and every player. You know how it's how it's going with each one individually. So first place is is just a bonus. Uh, you know, it, there's way more important things to be concerned with versus what place you are in the standings, but. You know, we've got a lot of positives, but we've got our share of negatives that has to be addressed as well. I mean, I suppose you're right. I mean, you could be you could be 33 and 28, but the Astros could be in your division, and you could be 7, 8, 9, 10 games out of first place. So I guess from that standpoint, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I don't really – I know what the statistics say and all the the uh, history and on this date, different dates on the calendar. You know, if you're not at first or if you're at last or whatever, that – what the odds are and all that stuff, but that's just how you, how you look at it when you're invested and when you're a part of something. It's, it's how you're doing, how you're trending, how how each individual is handling things and, and evolving, and you know those are those are the uh, that's the perspective you take when you're a part of an organization. You don't you don't look at the standings every day in the paper. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Yeah, and I guess it helps too that the Indians. We all thought the Indians would run away with this thing at some point, but they're just not playing that great a ball. So who knows? I mean, it looks to me, Mike, that even though the pitching isn't where you want it to be, there's no reason why you guys can't play relevant games come late August and into September. Well, that's that's our hope. That that was our belief when we began spring training. When we left there, we you know we've gotten off to a a decent start. We've we've had our share of games where. Some of our uh, glaring things show up, but yeah, we we've got every opportunity, and, and you hit on the main thing. We've got to find figure out the depth and uh, and the uh, strength of our pitching staff. That's going to be the key. We've got a lineup that can score runs. I think we've settled in defensively in some areas where we weren't very good in previous years. So it's all about the pitching. I'm sure that'll be our what we address over time here, and that'll be the focus of how we how we get better going down the stretch. What's the trade market like right now? Like, are you guys having active talks? I mean, could you make a trade in the next couple of weeks for a pitcher? Well, that's that's for Derek and Thad. They're more on that. I I've, I've been working with the draft, and you know, most of our guys are out. That's for sure. We're, we're compiling information, data. Uh, I don't think there's anything new or different uh, in the past few years where more teams are are uh, involved just because of, of the structure of MLB now. 
nothing really happens for another month. So, yeah, Sad and Derek are doing their due diligence. They're, they're preparing for whatever needs to happen here into June. I mean, I suppose the flip side is if somebody blows you away with an offer for like an Irvin Santana, that you have to be prepared for that as well. It's not just about buying. You know, you might be in a position where somebody just blows you away with an offer where you sell an asset. Well, again, that's for Derek and Sad. But absolutely, you have to be prepared for every scenario, and those guys are getting ready for that. So, you know, a lot more of us will be involved in all that now that the draft's over and we move on to the next big calendar item, and that's the trading deadline at the end of July. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully we'll continue, continue to play well and can add some assets and do some things that address some of our weaknesses and have a good summer. All right, on the draft, 11 players taken so far through the 10 rounds. I mean, did it fall about the way you expected it to fall? There were not very many surprises. And, and when you started digging into it and drilling down on the draft, uh, there were fewer absolute first-rounders. Uh, there were, there were, the, the depth of the draft was uh, uh, questionable after a certain number of picks. So everything indicated that it might go, you know, crazy it might go different directions there might be a lot of surprises and a lot of names you weren't really prepared for uh as early as into the first round but as it as it played out that's not how it went i don't i'm not sure there were that many uh guys that we you know got picked on i.e you know we had ready to go and somebody else took them and there weren't that many surprises in the in the earlier rounds where you know i think we might have anticipated there there would have been more of that so it's kind of played out as we thought. The strengths and weaknesses showed up, and that reflects in uh, our selections and every other team's selection. On Royce Lewis, I mean, how do you guys how do you guys stack your board? Like I've seen, I think it was Thad or I don't know, maybe it was Derek or Sean or might have been you who said that Royce was he was number one on your board. But the way you guys rank the players. Is it horizontally or is it vertically where Royce was one, then somebody else was two, somebody else was three? Or did you have a, a handful of guys on that one line? Well, there's a lot of layers to it. and it, There was no absolute unanimous or consensus from one on down. But at the end of the day, when we got to the final piece where you have to do business, we were confident and convicted in, in having Royce as the guy that we wanted to move forward with. You know, he checks, checks off all the boxes, you know, from the perspective of evaluation and, and analysis. So, you know, we let Derek, Thad, and Rob go forward with the, the, the last, uh, last part of it, doing the business, doing their due diligence there. And uh, Royce is the guy we, we're very happy to have. What do you say then about the Brendan McKay offer? Now, he went on the record, which surprised me. You know, I mean, a few of us have reported it, but he went on the record, Mike, and said, hey, the Twins made me an offer. You know, so did you make Brendan McKay an offer? Were you guys happy if the pick was Brendan McKay? Well, I'm not going to talk about Brendan McKay, who now the you know, the property of another organization. Our process led us to uh, selecting Royce Lewis and moving forward with that, and we're extremely happy that we – uh, selected Royce, and we, we're moving along the path of getting him signed and out and playing here soon. You personally, how many times did you see him play? I mean, are we talking dozens upon dozens? Yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty long track record for a high school guy. Started watching him when he was a sophomore. Uh, saw him a lot last summer. Obviously, uh, all of us spent time out there this spring. You know, we 
we probably had a Twins versus almost every game that he played. Uh, and we had uh, we, we, we brought a lot of people in. We had, uh, uh, you know, all of our cross-checkers, all of our supervisors, uh, you know, all of our West Coast scouts. We, we had a lot of depth here over the last, uh, basically, last two or 300 at-bats that he's taken and 60 or 70 games that he's played. We, you know, we watched the Team USA in the summer. We feel good about our uh, depth and uh, our ability to gain conviction and all of his tools skills here over the last couple of years i mean good kid i mean is he ready to have that spotlight on him i mean there's a spotlight that comes with being the first overall pick is he ready to handle that well there's no doubt about that and we've been there before it hasn't been that long ago it it, it seems like a long time ago but it wasn't that long ago with joe and we do understand and realize and it is a fact that there is a glaring there's a lot more scrutiny on uh, players who come out of the draft and join organizations and go through the minor leagues. And so that is part of the equation. You have to process that. You have to try to determine whether this player can handle that. And in our mind, really, it was a separator. I, I think we have as much conviction in Royce Lewis have an impact in a locker room, in a clubhouse, in a community because of his makeup and intangibles, his personality, and who he is as we did on any other player in this draft. So when you combine that with the skills and tools that we have a lot of conviction in as well, this is a player that has the ability to be a a very special, unique talent at the end of the day. I thought you made a good point last night. Good job, by the way, with with the collective media about how us in the media, fans, we've been thirsting for a shortstop for so long. I mean, I guess going back to, what, the Christian Guzman days now – to me, I would have kept J.J. Hardy, but that's a different conversation. But it's been so long. Right now you have so many shortstops in the organization. You'll sign another one here on July 2nd. I mean, you figure one of these guys is going to hit. Maybe it's Jorge Polanco, too. I mean, you have so much depth now at shortstop. Well, we hope so. And, you know, you're referencing a lot of names there for sure. Uh, Wander Javier and uh, Gordon and Palacios and, you know, now Royce Lewis and you can't have too many shortstops. Shortstops are uh, collateral that that every organization loves to have because they end up playing outfield, playing third base, second base, all around the field. You know, shortstops are the best athletes when you're talking about the young international guys and the young high school guys. They're usually the best players going all the way up through until you hit the minor leagues and professional baseball. So. If all you did were, were to collect shortstops, that would be a pretty good approach to fielding a, a strong minor league system and having options for your major league team. So in that regard, a general sense, uh, absolutely. We've got some guys that might turn out to be good major leaguers, and we just added to it, hopefully, with Royce Lewis. I mean, you're right on, on even Nick Gordon, right? I mean, he's playing a lot of second base at Chattanooga. I mean, his... His role at the major league level, hopefully he's up here in the next year or two. Nick Gordon might be a second baseman, right? Might be a second baseman. He might be a third baseman. All of these guys could eventually be outfielders, too. It happens a lot. So, again, uh, it's it's the most skilled position on the field. It requires usually the most instincts and feel and awareness for the game, as well as absolute physical talents. And, you know, Royce fits that profile and certainly has a great upside. Uh, not not just to be a, sh- a shortstop, but a major league player because he is a shortstop. Mike, you can lay it out way better than I can, but there was a lot of fan angst on social media 
on Monday night, people not quite understanding the process. Can you lay out how it works with the pool of money that you have and how it benefited you guys on Tuesday? You know, what you guys did on Monday, it was then, you know, the flip side was it worked out because you were able to go over slot on some guys on Tuesday? Well, the simple way to put it is every team basically has a cap. You have a certain amount of money that you can spend, use for for drafting, selecting, drafting, and signing players. And you can allocate it however you see fit. Mm-hmm. And when you save money on some slots, you're able to pay it to others. So that, you know, some all players have a different value, different worth. And so you have to have all that knowledge and move forward with the selection process. It's been a strategy employed by a lot of teams over the past few few years. The Astros are noted uh, are a, a noted organization that's applied that uh, that approach and you know added to their system. I, I would say most of the organizations that are ranked highly by Baseball America and those that do that uh, scrutinize and evaluate minor league systems, most of those organizations have gone through that kind of strategy. You, you, mm-hmm. The best way to have depth in your organization is to get extra players. And when you allocate your resources in that way, that does give you a chance to gain extra talent for your organization. So it can get a little complex and complicated, but basically it's just allocation of your resources to as many players as you can. Now, was there a thought in allocating some of those resources at pick 35 or 37 with the local guy, Sam Carlson? Well, Sam was certainly a player on our board we love, but, you know, it's just not prudent for any of us to talk about players that are now drafted and under control of other teams. I, I you know, Sam's going to have a great, great career. I wish him well. Uh, we spent a lot of time scouting him and evaluating him, and we certainly had a lot of interest in Sam Carlson. And, you know, I, I truly believe he's got an outstanding chance to be a, an excellent major league player. All right. So pick 76 on Tuesday, the first pick of the third round, you get this high school pitcher from Louisiana. I mean, the reason you'll be able to sign him is the money you saved on Monday. What makes this kid? Is it Blaine Enlow? What makes him so good? Well, he's a classic young high school guy who's very projectable, uh, loose arm and body. And, uh, you know, he's got all the traits that say starter, which is, a you know, a key key thing and at the higher levels of the draft. You're trying to find starting pitchers. He's got maybe the best curveball in the draft this year. Mm. He's got a, a nice. keen ability to be able to spin the ball. We've seen him throw hard. He's very competitive. He was the guy that did USA team last summer wanted to have the, the big leverage innings, the big game. So there's a lot to like with uh, Blaine Enlow and his ability to move forward and progress and uh, project as a major league starting pitcher. All right, how about the fifth-round kid, the third baseman? Is it Andrew Bechtold? He's another guy you'll go over slot for. Well, no comment on who's over or under slot, but you know we were, we're very excited to to get Andrew, he's a, he's a guy we targeted uh, from the beginning of the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think this guy has the swing and the potential offensive upside to be a uh, an impact offensive player, a middle of the lineup guy. He, he's got uh, lots of swing traits and potential power that remind us of a lot of uh, current 
three and four hole major league hitters. So, you know, we're real excited for to get this guy in. I'm not sure exactly what position he'll play. He's played second, short, third. He'll probably play all around the outfield. Uh, you know, we'll let the player development boys look, you know, figure that out over the course of the next few years. But he was drafted. We plan on signing him because he's got high offensive upside. How about another guy or two to highlight from your from your Tuesday selections? I mean, we don't need to go through every single guy, but but who would you like to highlight? Maybe another guy or two. Well, we're, what happens in the draft? You you get who you like. Okay, every team gets who they like. That's how it separates out. Uh, you know, I I could talk about any and all of them. Uh, you know, our our the left-handed pitcher we took from Clemson, Charlie Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a he's a guy that all the analytics and the metrics love. Uh, he's a low walk, high strikeout guy. He's another guy with really good comp pitches, change up, breaking ball, uh, starter traits again, which is you know what you're trying to find, especially in the first and second day of the draft, trying to find guys who might give innings and be starters. And he checks those boxes off. And you know the other part of that is we've seen him for a long time and have a, a lot of conviction in who he is makeup-wise and competitive-wise and presence-wise. So, you know, again, I every team through this level of the draft, the first two days, gets who you like and uh, who you gain conviction in, who you gain confidence in, who you have depth on. Uh, those are the players you end up selecting, and, and that's, that's, how, that's how it went for us here the last two days. How about goals on the final day Wednesday? I mean, do you have specific goals on Wednesday? Well, you do have to fill out your minor league, so mm-hmm. you have to be uh, aware of what the Gulf Coast and Appalachian League teams need. Uh, you have to be aware of the lower part of your system, where the strengths and weaknesses are. But as in every draft, the crop dictates who you take. You can't make it up. You know what is available is what you're choosing from. So, you know that's that's a big part of it. <laughs> we'll we'll focus on pitching for sure. Uh, that's what's left that uh, you know on the third day of the draft most of the time anyway but you know that 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 is indeed what it looks like is the most available demographic for this year's third day uh but there's you know you have to balance a lot of different things when you go through these last 30 picks and that'll be the challenge <laughs> attempting to uh, balance out the needs the strengths the availabilities of, of what's left I suppose the next big day would be what international free agency in early July. I mean, you guys will be very active come early July, won't you, signing a bunch of these teenagers? Well, it's a different look this year. Every team basically has a similar same amount of money. There's a very small difference between what we all have to spend versus other years where it it rolled down from one team having more than everybody else to, to, uh, you know, the team with the best record having very little. So that, that's changed the, the dynamics of how you went about it here over the last year, trying to figure out, again, how you allocate your, your resources. So, you know, we've, uh, we've done our due diligence in Latin America where the crux of the dollars are spent in every July 2nd uh, uh, scenario. And, uh, you know, we, we feel good right now that we've got several guys that we're targeting and hoping to bring, bring on board uh, as, uh, as impact potential type players. I mean, the idea is you'll spend that full allotment of money, right? I mean, over $5 million. Eventually, not necessarily on July 2nd, but yeah, eventually we'll all approach that number. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's a different, some different uh, rules this year and 
past year's teams could go over it and just pay a penalty. And you can't do that anymore. You, you cannot go over your amount. There are no penalties. You just can't go over. So a little different on how players have been approached and how it's all going to play out as they get down to the final piece when you have to do business in, on July 2nd. I'll leave you with this. I mean, I get it if you don't have updates, but any updates on some of these injured guys like – I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, Cole Stewart, Tyler J. I mean, heck, how's Trevor May doing? Phil Hughes, Glenn Perkins, Hector Santiago. Well, sure. I I know I have some knowledge on all those guys. I mean, most of those guys are are getting closer. Uh, I know Cole Stewart's about ready to start pitching. Uh, Trevor May obviously is is you know he's doing well and right on schedule, but he's you know yeah. he's all not until. Next year, uh, Santiago will be ready shortly. He's, he's not far away. He's feeling fine. Uh, you know, maybe the the best one is that that uh, Glenn Perkins is, is feeling good. You know, he's had a lot of setbacks as you chronicled here over the last year, but mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a good pace here over the last month. He's uh, he's ramped it up and is uh, is moving forward in a very positive way. So again, as we move toward the late summer here, the trading deadline and beyond, guys like that are are, you know, obviously great additions uh, if they can indeed impact the Major League team, which is what we hope Glenn can do here in, in another short period of time. Any idea if Glenn is throwing his slider? Is he throwing anything that's not a fastball? And and where's his velocity at? I mean, is he at 88, 89, 90? Is he above 90? I'm just going to say he's progressing. Okay. You know, I, I don't. I have not seen him personally with my own eyes. I'll be headed that way shortly, but He's progressing. He is throwing harder. He is throwing other pitches. It's not this stalemated, stagnant uh, situation that unfortunately was the case, uh, you know, not that long ago. He's made progress and is ramping up and moving forward. I'll leave you with this, actually. I lied. How close are two relievers at AAA, Hildenberger and Boosnitz? I mean, numbers-wise, it looks like they're having a lot of success at AAA. Are they on the cusp of helping the Major League team? Well, they're both pitching well. Obviously, that's uh, that's an area of our team that is of, of concern. And uh, you know, we've had to make a lot of moves in that regard here over the last month. And, and both of those guys are certainly on the radar. They've been pitching well. Uh, they each have you know a specific thing that they probably still need to address before they're really ready to compete and, and impact the major league bullpen. But uh, both of them are are on that path. And and Busenitz in particular has probably ramped up and, and gone forward a little quicker, a little better than we thought. So, you know, he is on the radar. He is getting close. and That's good because we're going to need guys like that here over the next two or three months. Very nice. Mike, thank you so much. You're very kind with your time. All right. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Twins VP Mike Radcliffe, we always appreciate his insights on the Scoop podcast. Quickly on the Wolves, actually. Let me give some more love to Vine Park Brewery, then I'll have a couple notes on the Wolves, and then I'll call it a Scoop Podcast episode 79. Got a bunch of stuff out of my notebook. Scoop Podcast episode 68 taped on Monday, the 12th of June. Again, this is Scoop Podcast episode 79 being recorded on Tuesday night, the 13th of June. Vine Park Brewery is the new sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, vinepark.com. Right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul on Twitter at vine underscore park underscore brew. The Twin Cities is becoming a craft beer haven. Nobody can debate that. 
But why don't you see how your brewing chops stack up by swinging into Vine Park Brewing, the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine. Vinepark.com, again, is the website. Phone number 651-228-1355. You think about Father's Day fast approaching. How much fun would Dad have at Vine Park Brewery brewing his own beer or wine? Think about that as a Father's Day present. A couple Wolves notes told Jonathan Isaac will only work out for the teams in the top four. Has worked out for both the Phoenix Suns and Boston Celtics, but it doesn't sound like the Wolves will get any one-on-one time with Jonathan Isaac. Now, hey, there's always examples of guys being taken by teams where the team did not have a personal workout. So it's not the end of the world. If Jonathan Isaac is there at seven, if the Wolves don't trade the seventh pick, hey, so be it. But I am told their efforts to get Jonathan Isaac here to Minnesota for a workout are failing. Now, again, draft workouts are always fluid. Maybe his camp will have a change of heart at some point. But I can tell you, as of Tuesday night, the 13th of June, Jonathan Isaac, no interest in working out for the Wolves or any team outside of the top four. The Wolves free agent camp, I mentioned it in Scoop Podcast episode 78. I have an update here in Scoop Podcast episode 79. The Wolves free agent camp on Tuesday night and all day Wednesday at Mayo Clinic Square features Tyler Hansbro. Tyler Hansbro, seven-year NBA guy, Toronto Raptors, Indiana Pacers, former North Carolina Tar Heel. He is among the guys in town at the Wolves free agent camp. Also local guys, Matt Janning from Watertown Mayor and Jamar Diggs from D La Cell. So two local guys taking part as well, plus guys like John Jenkins, Chris Johnson, Clee Anthony Early. So there's a ton of guys. I should get the full list at some point. It's not that big of a deal because who knows if the Wolves end up even signing any of these guys, although maybe a guy or two ends up in Des Moines with their D-League affiliate. But anyway, the Wolves hosting a free agent camp this week at Mayo Clinic Square. The assistant coaches, by the way, running it. Tibbs just sitting off to the side observing along with the rest of the front office, although Brian Pauga and Zarko Durasic, although they might be back now, they were over in Treviso, Italy for the uh, Euro event, the Adidas Euro event. So the Wolves all over the place. They are omnipresent when it comes to their scouting staff. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 79. Thank you so much for listening. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents, 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.